So what caused this global financial crisis? Well, well, let's think about the four groups we could blame for this crisis. We'll start with the banks and financial services sector firms whose corporate governance, pay, remuneration, work practices led them to disaster. You know, there's one cause right there. But then we need to look at regulators and say, why were regulators not doing their job in the United States, in Britain, in Europe? Why were regulators not looking at the banks and saying, you guys are acting dangerously? Um, so the regulators, both their regulation and the extent to which they were actually enforcing the regulatory instruments they had at their disposal, needs fixing. Then you've got to ask, why were the politicians, the governments, not standing over the regulators and making sure the regulators did their job. That's the job of governments. And those governments weren't, not least because in Britain and the United States, you had a perfect storm. The politicians were happy that so many people had access to mortgages. Um, they were not going to stop that party. And then finally, you've got what economists call the global imbalances driving this crisis. In other words, the fact that some countries of the world were building up massive deficits, like the United States and Britain, and other countries of the world were building up massive surpluses. So the $3 trillion worth of reserves that China was building up, but also other emerging economies were building up massive reserves. Reserves partly so that they could protect themselves in the event of a financial crisis. But the fact they were building up all of these reserves created a huge pressure, the search for yield, which meant that there was more and more money that financial services firms were trying to find ways to invest in ever more innovative forms and structures. So some would like to say the whole crisis was caused by the global imbalances um, and that if we don't solve the global imbalances, if we don't have an international agreement that prevents countries building up huge surpluses, for example, that forces China to revalue its exchange rate, um, that we're not going to solve the core of the crisis. We have to be careful of that argument because it's being used by some to take our eyes off the fact that the regulatory structures were inadequate and inadequately enforced. In other words, we shouldn't imagine that we can solve the global imbalances problem and not do more regulation and therefore prevent a crisis. That's not going to happen. The regulatory structure has to be in place to prevent the next crisis. And for one very simple reason, that is at the core of any economist's understanding, which is a concept of moral hazard. In other words, if you think that when you gamble, you win and you take the prize, you lose and you don't have to pay up, your incentive to gamble increases many fold. What's happened in this crisis is the banks have been bailed out. The lesson they will take from this crisis is that no matter how large they are and no matter how riskily they gamble, they will be bailed out. And that is a serious moral hazard. And that's another reason why regulation has to happen very quickly and it has to be global. What's the job of a regulator in that context? So e even the most free market economist would agree that you need certain kinds of regulation in any economy. You need regulation to set up the very things that make a market, a free market work, the rule of law, the enforcement of the rule of law, property rights and so forth. But then you need regulation to deal with market failures. And there's two big kinds of market failure that economists look at. 
One is externalities, the fact that markets structure transactions which have spillovers on third parties. An obvious one is pollution, right? Pollution is a negative externality that you need regulation to deal with. So too is the kind of financial crisis that we've just seen. Another market failure is information. All of our a free market vision of the economy assumes that all actors have perfect information that's timely and accurate. And of course, that's never true. And so you need regulation to deal with the effects that some have very imperfect information and that this then creates havoc in the um, actions in the market. And this, I think there's increasingly a consensus on another reason why you need regulation, which is market irrationality, which has been highlighted in this crisis. In Schiller's excellent new book, Animal Spirits, this notion of animal spirits captures the irrationality of actors in the market, the irrational exuberance that we saw in financial sector markets over the last decade, which is part of the story of this huge bubble that we've just seen burst. And finally, of course, you need regulation for fairness and justice. You need regulation to ensure that you have enough buy-in within a society and across the international society of all countries because they believe that the system is producing some modicum of fair and just results. And I think all those reasons we're seeing in the public debate about what regulators should do today, that there is a real sense of questioning about whether bankers, for example, should earn several hundredfold what others in society earn, or whether you want to have a society or not that has that kind of inequality. People are starting to ask those questions. Economists are doing very interesting work about the consequences of that kind of inequality for crime, for happiness, for welfare within societies. So these are, these are sort of being probed all as a basis for thinking about what regulators should do. In the financial sector, what regulators need to do is ensure that banks don't pose the systemic risks that we've just you know, seen, we're just living through now. And, and it's hard in banking because banks are in a way the oil of the machine that is the economy. And you can't afford to simply let large banks collapse. So there's no market discipline in banking. The minute you say we can't afford to let this bank collapse, you're saying that market discipline will not self-regulate this bank. In other words, you're saying regulators have to step in and do all the things that you might have expected market competition to do because left to its own devices, there's no discipline. You, you, the bank knows it can't be left to fail. The government knows the bank can't be left to fail. You have a huge moral hazard problem. So you mentioned before that this is a bubble. The economy's seen many bubbles. Why have we not had the regulations that are being discussed now before? I think this, this crisis began with the subprime mortgage crisis in the United States and in Britain. And to me, there's a clear sort of perfect storm story about that, which is that it seemed at the time to be in everyone's interests. Home buyers wanted to have access to loads of easy credit to buy houses. Banks found it extremely profitable lending to so many home buyers wanting to buy houses. Regulators found themselves under no pressure from politicians more heavily to regulate this expansion of mortgage lending. 
And the politicians found it convenient that they were presiding over a very happy, contented um, population of voters, comfortable in their fancy new houses, having taken out these huge mortgages. So you sort of had a perfect storm and you had to ask the question that a famous American central banker asked, who was going to take the punch bowl away at the party? You know, this was a big party that everyone seemed to be enjoying themselves at. Who was going to actually come and lock you know, the wine cabinet and say, that's enough, stop? And what we saw is that there was really nobody in the system that had an, a strong enough incentive to do that. And that's what the new system is going to have to rectify.